You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, Thank you for coming today. Uh, If you don't know, my name is uh, Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, And uh, and we have been going through uh, our sermon series this uh, uh, recently has been uh, going through the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and uh, if you're not familiar uh, with the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's actually just found in Galatians 5, 22. Um, so I feel like it could be helpful for us to just read through that passage, uh, try to get uh, our fingers around this list, uh, and uh, just go through it one more time. So that's Galatians 5, 22. And, uh, and so Paul is giving uh, this list to the Galatian church, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk also in step with the Spirit. So this is the, uh, the passage that we're kind of uh, going through, and we're going through each one of these fruit and, uh, and just exploring in more detail uh, what, what these uh, different fruit are, what they mean, uh, and what they actually practically look like, or this idea of uh, kind of boots to the ground uh, application. What does this actually look like when we're actually living it out? So we've already gone through uh, love, uh, and then we flip-flopped uh, peace and joy. Um, I can't even remember why we did that, but we did. Uh, and so we did uh, love and then peace. And then last week, uh, Ovi did joy. And this week we are going through patience. Um, so uh, patience is, um, uh, it is an interesting word uh, that, uh, that Paul used. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but uh, as Ovi mentioned last week, uh, kind of the, um, not uncomfortable, but uh, what we're more comfortable with here at Summit is uh, picking a text uh, or a passage in the Bible, and then just going verse by verse through that, uh, that specific verse or, or ch- uh, chunk of text. Um, this series is more topical, so we're picking a topic, and then we're talking about that topic. Um, and I think both Ovi and me, uh, it's not that we're uncomfortable doing that, it's just we're just a little bit more comfy like in the text, right? Does that make sense? So with that being said, uh, I did find a text that we are going to be going uh, verse by verse through, um, and, uh, and that's Matthew 18. So uh, this is a parable, and I just like to read uh, through the whole parable uh, and then kind of give us our points, what we can learn about patience, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of explore this concept a little bit more. So um, Matthew 18, uh, verse 21, a little bit of context uh, is Jesus is giving a parable to Peter. Um, and, uh, and so verse 21, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I shall forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had began to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and and repayment be made. 
So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the master of that slave felt compassion and he released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he would pay back what was owed. So his fellow slaves saw what happened. They were deeply grieved and came and reported to their master all that had happened. Then summoning him, his master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his master moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each one of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Uh, so if, uh, if you were paying attention, the word patience only showed up twice uh, and just kind of in passing uh, in this parable. So um, you probably are asking yourself, what <laughs> is, wouldn't there be a better passage to talk about patience? Um, and uh, I would argue no. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of explore that a little bit more. Uh, but this entire parable is about patience, uh, the, the whole thing. And, uh, and I'll, I'll pitch that idea and um, we'll kind of explore that together. But there's three things I want us to, uh, to keep in mind as we explore this fruit, patience. First of all, patient reflects God's nature. So this fruit reflects God's nature. Second of all, it grows out of the spirit. And third of all, uh, it's for an unsaved world. And, uh, and this is something that, uh, that all of us, uh, Raz, Ovi, and me, uh, I'm going to continue this uh, kind of beating this drum. Um, oh, it's in the office on the desk. Yep. Um, so this, uh, this is this idea that um, the spirit is what produces the fruit in us. These fruit of the spirit are not things that we just kind of white knuckle or try to produce on our own, but it's the spirit actually producing them in us. And uh, this isn't to say that we don't look at the fruit of the spirit and we're just like, hey, I think I should be a more patient person. That's good. That's a good, that's a good feeling to have, right? Don't resist that. But at the same time, uh, it's not something that we need to produce so that the Spirit is in us. It's something that we produce because the Spirit is in us. And so uh, I'll make that very clear. And again, that's kind of our second note. And that's what I mean by patience grows out of the Spirit. Uh, it's not something that we're kind of forcing the Spirit to make in us. It's something that the Spirit just produces in us, much like a tree or some kind of vine producing fruit. But the reason why it grows out of the Spirit is because it reflects God's nature. And uh, we'll look at this is what does patience actually uh, accomplish? And it's for uh, an unsaved world. So let's go ahead and pray before we, uh, we kind of explore this uh, fruit of patience any further. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for, um, for this opportunity uh, for all of us to get together and just be in your word um, again. I ask that you, uh, you just give us clarity and, um, and just give us wisdom as we explore uh, the complexity of your word. 
And I ask that you just use this time to encourage your people uh, and edify them and build them up. But most importantly, I ask that you just use this as an opportunity to draw them closer to you and uh, so that we, uh, we all can experience you in a, in a more complete way. And also so that as we draw closer to you, uh, we continue to give you even more glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just now starting my timer, so we'll see how that goes. All right. So um, this, uh, this idea of patience, and again, this patience only shows up, this word patience only shows up twice uh, in this text, uh, and it's from both slaves. Both slaves are actually asking, uh, the first slave is ask, asking the master, have patience with me, and the second one is asking uh, the other fellow slave to have patience with me. Um, however, like I said, there's this idea, the whole passage, kind of uh, the undergirding idea of the whole thing is patience. And what's interesting about patience is I, th- I think uh, when we think about patience, we generally just think about, I don't know, um, uh, waiting for something that we are eagerly looking for, right? Uh, like, uh, I don't know, we're, this is a stupid example. But uh, we're at Starbucks and we're just eagerly waiting for our coffee, but everyone ordered or like the drive-through line is ridiculously long. So we have to wait eagerly for our coffee, but we're just going to be patient, right? We're not going to start yelling or screaming or throwing stuff. We're just going to patiently wait for our coffee. Um, or maybe my kids, for example, um, they, they can see us making dinner. They know it's coming, right? They see it, but they just, they can't, they can't wait, Right? Um, their stomachs are telling them that it's impossible. I will starve between now and the three minutes it's going to take you to finish plating my food. And so there's, we look at that and there's just like, we tell them, we, we tell our kids, be, just have patience, right? Just calm down and be patient. And this is this idea that we have in our heads of patience, and that is an accurate understanding of this. Um, and by no means do I want you to think that this is a poor interpretation uh, of the Greek word. Uh, patience is a great uh, explanation of this. However, there is another word uh, that, uh, that often kind of fits that idea of patience, that preconceived notion of patience, a little bit better, and it's a different Greek word uh, that's always translated as perseverance. And those are two different words, uh, at least in the Greek. And a lot of times in, in our minds, patience and perseverance, they tend to go hand in hand or we use them synonymously. In the Greek, you can do that a little bit, but, uh, but not as easily. Uh, and there's, uh, there's actually some evidence of this. Um, you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, Colossians 1, I want us to take a look at this passage. Colossians 1, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. He's just got done, finished telling them that I, I pray eagerly for you uh, and I pray without ceasing and I, I pray all the time for you. And then verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now here in Paul's mind, uh, this again really kind of paints this idea. If these two words meant the same exact thing, he wouldn't put them right next to each other, right? He's communicating something different in the word patient and in the word perseverance. And this really begs the question, what is the difference, right? 
And uh, because in Paul's mind, it's both of these things. It's, it's uh, uh, according to his glorious might for the attaining. So this is the purpose, so that we could attain all perseverance and patience, joyously giving Father or thanks to the Father. Um, and again, we find this in 2 Timothy 3.10 through 11. Uh, we, we find these, uh, these words also uh, next to each other. So 2 Timothy, this is Paul writing to his, uh, his mentee. He's, he's raised uh, Timothy as his spiritual child. Uh, he's writing to Timothy. Uh, this is arguably his last letter that Paul wrote. Uh, he was maybe looking at uh, his, uh, his soon, um, maybe his death uh, coming soon. So this is the last thing he kind of wrote to his spiritual child. And he says, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured and out of them, the Lord rescued me. So here, uh, Paul is actually encouraging Timothy. uh, Listen, you were with me when all of this happened, when I went through all the sufferings uh, and all the pain and all the persecution, but also when I did this in all uh, purpose and faith and patience and love and perseverance. You were with me in Antioch. You were with me in Iconium and Lystra. You were with me. Continue on while you're at Ephesus. Continue on all of these things that you endured with me. So here in Paul's mind, both patience and perseverance are separate things. And so when Paul gives this list of the fruit of the Spirit to the church in Galatia, he uses the word patience, and that's no mistake. He could have used perseverance, but he didn't. He used patience. So what is this idea of patience, and what is different with persecution or um, perseverance? Perseverance is this idea of actually just enduring under suffering or enduring or kind of gritting through or moving through uh, any kind of uh, tough situation or suffering of any kind. So this could be persecution from an outside force or or people or individuals. It could be just enduring the suffering of being on this broken world, right? Enduring the suffering of just groaning for a new creation, a new body, a new heaven, a new earth. This is perseverance. It's just, it's enduring through hardship. But what is patience? Patience is actually also translated as uh, kind of this idea of being slow to anger or being slow to retaliate or not giving someone their just response. So patience paints this idea of someone that has sinned against you, someone that has wronged you, someone that has harmed you, and patience is not giving them some kind of retaliation or just being slow to anger. Someone has wronged you and you're not gonna fly off the handle. You're patient, you're slow. You give them time, you give the situation time. You don't retaliate, you don't give them what you think that they deserve in the moment. This is this idea of patience, slow to anger. So maybe the parable is starting to make a little bit more sense because this whole parable is that, isn't it? The master, he was slow to anger. The slave, he he fell prostrate. He begged him, have patience with me. And the master stayed his hand. He stayed his anger. He gave him patience. And then once more, he gave him mercy. And then the second slave begged for patience And the wicked servant or slave didn't give him that patience. 
What's even more interesting is, uh, is in Exodus 34. Now, just a reminder, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, right? Not Greek. So we're talking about two different words here. However, when the rabbis in the first century translated the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek, they found this, uh, this Hebrew idiom that's called slow to anger. It's actually called long of nose. I'll explain that in a little bit. But they took that idiom and they translated it as patience. So in the Hebrew mind, when they hear this word patient, they think of Exodus 34. And it might seem like a, 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 maybe an exaggeration, but it's actually not. Uh, in the Old Testament, Exodus 34, God himself describes himself as slow to anger. And then every since Exodus 34, God continually explains or describes himself as a God that is slow to anger, just over and over and over and over. And it all started in Exodus 34. Exodus 34, a little bit of context. Uh, the people of Israel were just brought out of Egypt uh, and they went to Mount Sinai. Uh, Moses was like, just hang out here. I'm just gonna hang out with God for 40 days. I'll be right back. And then not soon after that, uh, they, well, a golden calf just jumped out of the fire and they just started worshiping it, right? So uh, God tells Moses, uh, you should probably go down and deal with your people, which is interesting language. It's Moses's people. It's not God's people anymore. And um, so uh, God deals harshly with, uh, with the most egregious offenders. Uh, and then we find ourselves in Exodus 34 and... Um, Moses goes back up to the mountain to interact with God again. And Exodus 34, verse six, then the Lord passed by in front of him, Moses, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth. Who keeps faithfulness for thousands? Who forgives wrongdoing, violation of his law and sin? And yet, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, inflicting the punishment of fathers on children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. So this is what God says to, about himself to Moses and to the people of Israel. This is who God is. It is quite literally his nature. And so we see this idea, and this was our first point, is that patience reflects God's nature. It's who he is. It's, it's what makes him him. It's almost like it's something that he can't help. It's just who he is. Uh, in a very similar way, your nature is just kind of, uh, you are material. Uh, you can not have a physical body, but you're going to. You can't help it. It's you. It's your nature. Same with God. It's who he is. It's his nature. It's patience. It's, it's long suffering. It's, it's slow to anger. And again, this, it's a Hebrew idiom. It's called long of nose or long faced, uh, however you want to translate that. Uh, and it's this idiom. Hebrew is a very descriptive language. Um, and this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the sermon, but it is interesting. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this long of nose is this idea of if you think about someone that's getting angry and they're just getting more and more angry and more and more angry and more and more angry, their face starts to turn more and more red, right? And the last thing that kind of turns red is their nose, right? You know someone's about to pop when their nose turns beet red and they're, they're, they've reached their, uh, their tipping point. 
And so this description that God is long of nose, it takes a long time for him to reach full anger. It takes a long time for him to actually express his anger or actually do something about his anger. This is who God is. He's, he's long of nose. He's, he's slow to anger. It takes him a long time. He's patient with those who wrong him. This is this idea of patience. And this patience, what is this? Uh, there's other words that, that are used to describe God. Uh, he's compassionate and merciful. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in faithfulness and truth. Uh, he forgives wrongdoing, violations of his law and sin. What's interesting about that is many of those descriptions are actually described of the master in the parable. That's why I want you guys to understand Exodus 34 that sets the stage because as Jesus is giving this parable, any good Jew hearing this parable would just be like, man, the master sounds a lot like Exodus 34, right? This master sounds a lot like God. And that was no mistake. So patience, it reflects God's nature. And we know this because he's slow to anger, specifically with his people. Like I said, Nexus 34, they had just rebelled against God and he's slow to anger and he's willing to forgive them of their violation. So now that we have this context, let's go back to Matthew 18. Let's look at this parable one more time. So Paul is not talking in the, in the, um, in the uh, fruit of the spirit. He's not telling us about perseverance. He's telling us about patience. That is the fruit. Um, also, quick note, why wouldn't perseverance be in the fruit of the Spirit? It's because it's, it's kind of associated with joy. If you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, uh, listen to Ovi's message, he talks about this. But joy is actually being, uh, having joy even in suffering. That quite literally is perseverance, isn't it? It's enduring. You endure suffering because you have the joy of the Spirit in you. It's the joy of the Spirit that comes out of you that allows you to endure suffering. It allows you to persevere. So perseverance would have been redundant if it was in the fruit of the spirit because Paul already put in joy. So patience is unique. And that what patience is saying is that those who have done you wrong, you aren't quick to anger. You aren't quick to retaliate. That's patience. So here in Matthew 18, we find the context. And this again, just sets the stage. Verse 21 it says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I still forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I, don't, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. And for this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. Now here, it's, uh, it's interesting uh, because again, this sets the stage. Peter's asking, uh, how many times do I need to forgive other people? right? This is the whole context. And again, you see patience. This is the whole thing is about patience. It starts with patience. How patient should I be with my brothers? Should I forgive them seven times? Uh, which is funny because the rabbinic teachings at the time said, you, you forgive your brother three times, right? Fourth time, that's when you, you, you kind of write him off, right? And so Peter wanted to be excessively pious. Uh, you know, should it be seven times, right? Kind of wanting to impress Jesus. Uh, and Jesus like, I didn't tell you that. I didn't give you seven as a number. He's like, how about 77 times? Or another way to translate that is 70 times seven. And who's, who's, gonna, who's gonna count to 70, right? And this, this is another uh, way of just communicating, Jesus communicating, uh, just keep doing it. Just keep forgiving. Don't put a number on it. Um, <laughs> 
and again, it's like Peter just can't win for losing. Uh, he, <laughs> he, just, he, he really tries, um, but, uh, but he still falls flat. And Jesus, uh, to make the point, he says, for this reason, right? The reason why you forgive other people, the reason why you forgive indefinitely uh, is because for this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. So again, the whole context, the whole premise, the whole idea of this parable is patience. It is being slow to anger. We all see that. So there really couldn't be a better parable to talk about this fruit of being slow to anger or being patient with one another. And so uh, this king wants to settle accounts with his slaves. And then verse 24, it says, and when he began to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. That was very interesting. A um, little bit of, uh, I guess, cultural context. Uh, a, a talent was kind of viewed as uh, like a year's wage. So this guy's 10,000 years in debt. How he did that, I don't know. But he, he figured out a way. Um, so there really is no good way to translate this into modern uh, figures. Um, but let's say, for example, um, that, I don't know, the average yearly income is... I don't know, $60,000, $80,000, whatever we want. Multiply that by 10,000, that's what this guy owed, right? So somewhere around like the half billion mark is what this guy owed to, uh, to the master. Also, it says uh, that uh, he had no means to repay. Keep in mind, this guy's a slave. He's not a free man. It's not like he's running a business and he's just like, ah, oh, don't worry, I'll just liquidate some assets. The guy didn't, he doesn't have assets. He's a slave. He doesn't own anything. He can't just come up with the money. Like this money is just gone, half a billion dollars. So there's just no way that this guy can pay back this money. But what does he ask? He falls prostrate and he says, have patience with me. Be slow to anger. Just hold on. I'll get you the money. No, you're not. You're not getting the money back. And the master knows that. I have two options. I can throw this guy in jail and try to recoup some of my losses. Or I can just forgive him. But either way, I'm not finding this money anymore. It's gone. And this is, this is what this slave is asking. He's asking for patience. Slow to anger. Just give me more time. I know I've sinned against you. I know I've done wrong. I know that I'm so deep in the hole, but just have patience and give me more time and just be slow to anger. Verse 27, and the master of that slave felt compassion and he released him and forgave him the debt. Let's stop right there. So far, uh, we've, we've seen almost all the words that were used that God described himself as in Exodus 34, don't we? Compassion, mercy, patient, or slow to anger. We see all of these things. So he had patience and, uh, and he had compassion for him and he forgave him the debt. Again, Exodus 34, God is, he forgives wrongdoings and sin and violations. But the slave went out and found his fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. 
And so his fellow slave um, fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. He almost says for verbatim, exactly what he told the master. But then what does the slave do? He says, nope, throws him in prison until he repays everything back. Now, again, a little bit of context, a denarii was about a day's wage. Um, So again, if $60,000 was a yearly wage, you're looking at uh, $600 million versus about $15,000. That's the disparity. Again, I don't want you guys thinking that that's an actual translation of the money, of the income. Okay, there's, there's different, but yeah, it's just an example. But this is, what, this is what the disparity kind of looks like, is this guy was just forgiven almost half a billion dollars, and then someone owes him $15,000. That's not a small amount of money, right? That is something, but it's definitely achievable in paying it back, isn't it? It's certainly doable, and it's certainly payable, but this guy wouldn't have it. And so this fellow servant, he begs and says, have patience with me and I will repay you. And the wicked servant uh, has nothing to do with it. Also, what's interesting is it says that the slave went out and found the fellow slave. It's not like it just kind of happened on him. He, he found him. He sought him out. He looked for this guy that owed him $15,000. And he's like, this is all mine now. I don't owe the master anything. So he's looking to recoup his money or uh, make even more money. And so we see this, this, this massive disparity. And I think everyone who reads or even Peter who heard this parable uh, would all just kind of, uh, I don't know, grimace at this wicked servant. Like this is disgusting, isn't it? Someone who's forgiven just such a ridiculous amount of money. And someone who can't even repay And now he can't even just overlook $15,000. And so what we find uh, a little bit later in verse 32, after uh, he had thrown uh, his fellow servant or fellow slave uh, into prison, and then the master heard about this, verse 32, then summoning him, His master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same manner that I had mercy on you? And this this is this idea, and this kind of uh, comes to this second point, is that patience grows out of the spirit. Why in the world would this servant not have expressed the same joy or expressed the same mercy or the same patient patience with his fellow servant or fellow slave. This guy, this slave, this wicked slave, he didn't allow the forgiveness of his debt to transform anything in his life. If you notice, nothing's different in this guy's life. How do you accumulate that much debt by living for yourself? Why wouldn't you forgive someone else's debt? Because it's all about you. This man has just been forgiven everything, just an unimaginable amount of debt. And all he can think about is himself. 
It's also interesting that when he fell prostrate, uh, we now know why he fell prostrate, why he begged for patience. Why was it? It's because of him. He was just looking out for himself. We know that, uh, that this actually had nothing to do with, uh, with him feeling bad or remorse for the debt that he's accumulated. We know that because uh, his, his forgiveness of his debt didn't change anything in his life. And this is this idea that, that the patience grows out of the spirit in us is that when we recognize how much we have been forgiven as individuals, this patience just naturally flows out of us. How could we not forgive other people? How could, we, how could this not produce joy in us? You look at all those fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forgiveness, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How couldn't you have all of those things if you've just been forgiven half a billion dollars? You, I, I feel like all of us would have this in us, but unless we're blind to the debt, or unless we're so consumed with our own uh, self-interest, maybe we wouldn't produce these things. Maybe we wouldn't have all of these attributes. If we don't recognize what, the, what God has done for us, if we don't have the spirit in us, then this patience wouldn't come out of us. And you see this in the difference between the master and the wicked slave is the master, it's in his nature to be patient, just like God, just like Exodus 34. It's in his nature. But what is the nature of the slave? His own self-interest, that's his nature. And if you're not catching on, that's our nature, isn't it? We have this sin nature, we have this thing in us that's so blinded to, every, blinded to the debt that we've accumulated, blinded to the sin that we, uh, we have committed against God. We're so blinded to all the things that we, uh, we do against our master and against our God. It's hard to recognize that we are half a billion dollars in debt. We're not that bad. Or maybe other people are worse. Maybe I have a half a billion, but this guy has a whole billion. Good for you. You still can't pay it back. And this is, this is our nature, is that we're so blinded to it. And yet this master expects the wicked slave to recognize what's happened. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And the obvious answer is, duh, of course he should. But it didn't occur to this guy. And the desperate situation is that it doesn't occur to any of us until the spirit reveals it to us. It's the spirit in us that grows this patience and how it grows that patience is that it allows us and it encourages us to recognize that we are broken and we've been forgiven so much. This isn't something that we just produce or white knuckle We can't just forgive other people and be patient with other people as much as we want. The only way that we can actually accomplish this to any kind of effective measure is by the Holy Spirit in us producing this fruit of patience, of long suffering, of being slow to anger with other people. And that's that's our our second point is it grows out of the spirit. Patience grows out of the spirit. Now, just a quick note on this, uh, on this last um, two verses. 
Verse 34 and 35. And his master moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed. And then Jesus said, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Um, if you don't know, I teach, uh, I teach at a Christian high school um, and I was going through a unit, I was teaching my kids how to, uh, how to exegete or pull meaning out of uh, biblical texts. And I had them do this, uh, um, this, uh, this parable. It was actually their final exam. And um, part of their final uh, is they had to come to me and kind of uh, answer any questions that I had, right? They should have researched this enough to be well-versed in this passage. Uh, if I could ask them anything, they should be able to answer, right? And if they can't, they lose points, blah, blah, blah. And so one question I asked everybody was, what do you do with that? What do you do with the last two passages? The master forgave the servant a whole bunch of debt, and then it's like, oh, just kidding, the debt's back on. I'm throwing you in jail until you repay it all. So what do we do with that? What do we do with a master that was forgiving, but now he's not forgiving? And uh, <laughs> I was... I was shocked at how many kids were just like, yeah, well, the master's the bad guy. I'm like, hmm, that's tricky because what do you do with the last passage when Jesus himself says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you do not forgive his brother from your heart. And 100% of the time when I asked that question, students were just like, oh, I don't know. I'm just like, do you think the master's still the bad guy? And they're just like, well, yeah, of course. And I think this is so, that, that is so telling of how we look at God. This whole parable is Jesus is telling us from God's perspective what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a master is forgiving people billions of dollars of debt. And that we're still the slave that's looking at the master and just being like, no, you're the bad guy. We do this all the time. And these two verses make us so uncomfortable that we're willing to look at God and just be like, ah, I feel, I've, think you've made a bad call here. Jesus, I don't think you should have said this. And, and we try to twist it and we try to get out of this because this is so massively uncomfortable, right? Like the father will only forgive us if we forgive other people. And Jesus is like, yep. You're just like, but how can we do that? And he's like, you can't. And you're like, so I can't get to heaven? And Jesus is like, nope. <laughs> it, 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 it just, it feels, it feels so impossibly heavy. And there's so much inside of us that wants to work around this. We want to explain this away, but I just want us just for a moment, just let the weight of that sit for a moment. Just let that sit. You, you will not be forgiven any of your debt unless you forgive everyone else their debt. That's terrifying, right? And if it actually were that way, I feel like we would be a little bit more motivated to just start forgiving everyone, right? If there was that much on the line. Now, what's interesting about this is that we would be more motivated if this was the standard, but it's not the standard and instead we've been forgiven a lot and now we have a hard time forgiving. How could that be? It should be the opposite, right? We should be motivated to forgive other people out of the forgiveness that we've experienced. We shouldn't be motivated to forgive other people out of fear of God. 
I mean, throughout all of scripture, we should fear God, but all of scripture is is communicating this idea that it's through the Holy Spirit, it's through joy, it's through life abundant that we do all of these things. Paul even said in in, uh, Galatians uh, 5 verse uh, 24, uh, we live by the Spirit, so let us walk in the Spirit. This is what motivates us. This is what produces this fruit. It's not fear that, oh, we have to forgive other people in order for God to forgive us. It's by walking in the spirit. That's what motivates us to be patient. That should be the thing that motivates us the most, but what would actually motivate us, maybe it would be fear of God. And that, that's just proof that we've got this backwards. And if that is our heart, if that is our motivation, we do need to come to God, prostrate ourselves, and beg for patience. Please give us more spirit. I don't see my debt as accurately as you do. Please, God, show me my debt. Be patient with me so that I can be patient with others. Now, just a quick note uh, like I mentioned earlier, how do we resolve those last two passages? Um, I think this really is the case. God won't forgive you unless you forgive other people. Um, however, Christ paid that debt for us, didn't he? What did Christ do on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We talk about patience. Christ paid that debt And he fulfilled this requirement for us. So yes, the only way that we can participate in the forgiveness of the Father is in Christ, is being in Christ, because Christ is the one that fulfilled this requirement. So is there a workaround? Yes, it's Christ. It's always Christ. But that's not an excuse for us to go to our fellow slaves and not forgive them. And our last point is that patience is for an unsaved world. And we see this most clearly in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. In this passage, uh, this is a a very well-quoted passage. Uh, People like to quote uh, 1 Timothy 1 uh, whenever they want to kind of look at the culture as as it's degrading and just be like, ah, there's proof that we're in the end times because Paul just went through and he just lists all like the worst of people, right? Uh, People are slanderers and and they hate other people. And and he has this whole list of people that are just the worst of the worst, right? And he's warning Timothy, this is what people are gonna be like in the end, right? So be ready, because it gets really bad and people are the worst, right? Um, and like I said, I feel like people read this passage and they're just like, oh, we must be in the end times because people are the worst. Um, but they always miss this part of the passage. In 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17, Paul, immediately after giving this list, he goes on and he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service even though I was previously a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy. See that mercy again. Because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace, again, find that word again, of our Lord was more abundant with the faith and love. Again, we find those in Exodus 34, which are found in Christ Jesus 
It is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost. And yet, for this reason, I have found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. As an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Patience is for an unsaved world. We don't have time to get into this. This is all over the New Testament, but this idea that a lot of people, we look at the patience of God and we think that God is either just unjust or maybe he doesn't care about our sin. Well, I haven't been judged yet. Well, nothing bad has happened yet. Well, I'm not hurting anybody when I do. And we do this over and over and we convince ourselves and we talk ourselves into sin, but in reality, God is just patient. What is the patience for? It's so that we have time to repent. Verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance. Don't flake on any of this. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am the foremost. And yet for this reason, I have found mercy. What reason did you find mercy, Paul? What reason? It's so that in me, the foremost sinner, Jesus might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who believe in him for eternal life. Brothers and sisters, this is what patience is for. This is what patience accomplishes. Is that as an unsaved world sees the patience, it sees the fruit of patience in us. It sees in us this ability to be so slow to anger, so willing to forgive, so willing to forgive debt to everyone, not just an unsaved world, but amongst ourselves. We should be so patient with each other and with everybody that the world should see it and know that Christ has done something in us. Christ was patient with us. Christ was slow to anger with us. Christ offered us forgiveness while he was being crucified. He cried out to God on our behalf and said, Father, forgive them. This is what patience is for. It's for an unsaved world. And as we demonstrate this fruit, the world sees the patience of Christ, the perfect patience of Christ, all the more clearly. And what this does, and Paul does this immediately after he says this, is that now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be the honor and glory forever and ever, amen. How can we not praise God? How can we not rejoice? Just like what Ovi talked about last week. How can we not have joy in any circumstance when we understand what we've been forgiven? How could we not be patient toward everyone and anyone? How could we have any conflict in this church? How could we not be patient toward our brothers and sisters? How could we not be, be patient with our kids? How could we not be patient with our bosses and with our coworkers? with the people that just drive us up a wall, how could we not be patient for them? How could we not be slow to anger? We've been forgiven so much. And as Paul indicates here, that we are everything wrong in the world. 
Again, 1 Timothy, it talks about how it's just the worst of people in the end days. Uh, And then Paul says, and I was the worst one. This is what this passage is talking about, is in the end days, people will be like this. Yeah, look in the mirror. We're here. We're all here. This is us. But Christ was patient. So we too should be patient. So what does this look like? Boots to the ground application. Like I just said, how could we not be patient with the people in our lives, the people that we have the hardest time with? How could we not be slow to anger? And the issue is, like I mentioned, if you aren't patient or if you do struggle with that, that's good. It's good to recognize. Uh, but also recognize, like, you haven't produced it yet. You're not going to produce it now. What do you need to do to produce this? You need more spirit. You need more Christ. And this is where we find ourselves in the situations of the slave. As we continually over and over and over, we find ourselves prostrate before the master, begging for patience as he continually forgives our debts. And if we find ourselves being summoned back to the master, we find ourselves begging God, I cannot forgive this person. I cannot be patient. We beg him again and again and again. Please be patient with us. Please produce patience in me. So again, if we struggle with this, we run to Christ. We don't run to our own will. And also, patience reflects the nature of God. So again, what do we do? We run to the scripture. We learn about God. We study who God is. We stay close to the master. Because out of his spirit is what grows patience in us. And it's through that patience that an unsaved world sees Christ more clearly. Let's pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.